Hey everyone and welcome to the House Conspiracy Podcast. Uh, this is the first episode of a new show where we'll be sitting down with the curator resident artists here at House Conspiracy in their messy mid-process studios and we'll be talking to them, you know, about their work, about their lives, about sort of how those two things interact and about the processes that let them create what they create. Um, I'm Jonathan O'Brien and I'm the founding creative director at House Conspiracy and you're listening to the House Conspiracy Podcast. Today, we're actually going to broadcast the second interview I did um, with Leon Hearn, rather than the first, uh, which was with Annalise and I mucked the audio up on. So to showcase the audio quality you're going to regularly be getting with the podcast, um, I figured I'd show you this rather than something recorded through a backup laptop microphone. My bad. Um, but first up, some housekeeping. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at House Conspiracy, and you can visit our website and see how we can support you at houseconspiracy.org. Thanks also to Dave McNeil from DCM.Works for generously donating the podcast equipment we're using at the moment. Uh, we're still getting used to producing this stuff, so uh, ignore the bumps and thumps in today's production. One final thing also, uh, we're currently fundraising on Possible, and we, we really need your support over the next couple of weeks to make our dreams come true and to keep this house being a sustainable project. Um, so you can show us your support at possible.com slash project slash house dash conspiracy. Um, that's house conspiracy with a dash in the middle. Uh, thanks, and now on to the show. I remember Liam's door being open one day early on in the residency process when I dropped into the house and there was on the walls a word printed in the middle of an A3 page in big black Ariel Helvetica and it said other tongue. I think this was the first moment in the whole house conspiracy thing where I saw evidence of the house having a life of its own, something that hadn't been curated for the party or for anything like that and was just happening um, and that excited me to no end. If you're at the House Conspiracy launch party you will remember the room Studio 2 where this British bloke was sat out on a fold-out table in the middle of it all and attendees were invited to paint something in association with a word that was given to them. That giver of words was Liam who I'm talking to today. When he asked me if he could do this part of the project with the house at the launch I thought, hang on, isn't, isn't this guy a photographer? Not that it mattered, of course. In fact, it was more interesting. As a writer myself, visual people playing with language has always been interesting to me. They always approach it differently. Liam and I talked today a lot about how those approaches differ. So the process from the launch party hung in Liam's room for a week or so and sort of disappeared without my noticing. Now, uh, as we talk today, his room is just a table stained with ink from the florid brushes on that crazy night, and there are a couple laminated pages of obscure words and their definitions still on the walls. Um, that's the context, and now, Liam Hearn. They're, they're good kids. I work at a good school, so I can't really complain about that kind of thing, but... Um, yeah, it can be quite frustrating when you just explain something like as simple as you can and then you still get one kid who just blatantly hasn't listened to a thing you said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it's all, and it's always like not listening, right? It's... it's pretty much not listening. I think that's the problem with kids. I think they're quite smart if they listen, but they don't listen. You, you deal a lot in the internet um, in sort of, your works right with screen grab and meme do you think do you think do you buy into that whole idea that like the internet has um sort of decreased intention attention spans yeah i think it's decreased mine yeah yeah i mean i'm not like 
the heaviest on the internet all the time kind of person, but I can definitely feel that my attention span is lessened, mm -hmm. I guess. Like, especially with things like YouTube, you know, like you just, there's a whole list of things down the side, like look at this, look at this, look at this. And then as soon as you kind of drift away from the thing you're looking at, it's like, I'll click that. And I think kids are like that as well. If it's not colorful and not eye catching or not what they like, they don't care. They just zone out, like, you know. Yeah, do you think um, do you think that's concerning for for art? Do you think that's concerning for artists? Do you think art is going to have to change? Do you think it is changing? Yeah, I think it's changing. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know every facet of art, but I, the more I kind of see what's going on around the world, it's definitely like new media heavy. Do you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Um, and so, yeah, I think... I mean, it's good because new things are being explored and, you know, we're getting some crazy ideas and stuff and really cool, like, things. But at the same time, maybe we're taken away from the old media in a way, I guess. Yeah. And because you, you do a lot of photography at the moment, though. Yeah. Practice has done a lot of things and we'll get into yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you deal, do you, do you find dealing in analog to be sort of a form of nostalgia when you're dealing in analog photography? Yeah, or defiance or something defiance. <laughs> it's like i don't want to do that digital stuff no nah, but i mean um to be honest i fell into that i fell into getting into photography i was doing my art teaching training mm -hmm. did that train didn't teach any photography while i was doing that i was just teaching painting and drawing in my training year got a job in a school that said right we need you to teach photography so i had to really sharpen up on what i knew about it and we had a really tiny dark room. This was back in the UK, so it was like basically a, like a cupboard. And they said, you don't have to teach dark room photography, but it'd be nice if you did. So I got it running and again, the kids, and this was like five years ago, but the kids yeah. were still, oh, we don't care about that. That takes too long and it's kind of you know boring, but they did it. And so anyway, when I came over here, I got a job where I am now and they've got like a fully working dark room, you know, a big one, not a cupboard. It's like, you know, seven or eight enlargers in there, all the stuff you need to do. So, and we do make sure we teach it like it's part of the, what we do. Our courses in two or three of the years, the kids have to do some kind of analog photography. Mm -hmm. And just because I got that resource and they say, look, you can come in, work and play around with all the stuff. So I've just been in there and that's kind of how the whole analog stuff's come into my work huh. so, so you fell you fell into this practice almost through like a convenient chance yeah which yeah. is probably most of my work yeah way. but i mean i guess like it, it it has to come from a a core creativity so tell me about that because obviously uh from your accent um you're from britain yeah um but you're an artist over there as well right yeah yeah um different though like I think I, yeah, I mentioned it in my application when I was doing the, yeah, the application form for this. So just did the whole art school thing. I think it's slightly different over there. I'm not quite sure what you do over here, but you do three years over there. Which okay. art school did you go to? Just, it's called Hertfordshire. So that's kind of the county. So you don't really have counties here, you have states, but yeah. kind of, yeah, the county I was from, just the uni there, the only real uni there. And Hertfordshire, for people who are listening, is basically slap bang outside London. So we're kind of like the really kind of boring part just outside London. Okay. And it was kind of a toss up. Shall I go to uni in London? Shall I stay in Hertfordshire? And just out of sheer laziness, 
after chip. So <laughs> anyway, yeah, so you did that. Came out of uni, I, I played with everything, kind mm-hmm. of. I was doing a bit of video work, but you know, just kind of simple stuff. Anyway, got out of uni, no studio, back in mum and dad's, what can I do? I've only got myself, let's do performance art, mm-hmm. you know? And I got a camcorder, so I'd just kind of do all this roving stuff. It would be like one night events and do something at the event and film it sometimes i was filming myself so i had one hand down here with the camera and i'm speaking to someone and stuff so it was all really shoddy production and stuff um, but it was kind of cool and it was like sometimes in pubs sometimes in random places out on the street and stuff and it was all kind of it wasn't really based on anything really it was kind of trying to make people uncomfortable i guess yeah. that kind of like um i don't know who you compare it to not a very recent comparison but like say it's saying like Borat so you'd be like mm-hmm. doing you know something outside playing a kind of character and kind of yeah, yeah, yeah mucking around with people I remember I think Harmony Corinne did a project that he never released where he'd go on the street every day and fight people oh nice uh, <laughs> did you fight anyone no I had a couple of people threaten me okay um just like go away like really freaked them out which was kind of a bit scary but at the same time you know does give you a kind of excitement in a way and I was like young and you know I didn't really care about too much then so yeah but I had a couple of people yeah told me to go away in a <laughs> or I would get hurt sort of thing so that's fair enough because I mean if you're going into someone's private space then yeah. you should be prepared for that but um yeah it was fun exciting times I'm trying to think of a good story I don't know no, I just I remember this guy getting really confused once. I did this thing. I don't know if it was big over here, but we had something in England like swine flu. Yeah, I got it. I had. Oh, swine okay. Flu. Wow. Yeah. How, what happens when you get it? Uh, you just get a flu. It's just a flu that's. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it was just one of the things. It's like when Ebola happened a couple of years yeah. ago. It was just on the news for ages. Like that little short period. Like everyone's going to get swine flu, and it's really bad for you. So I thought, what's the best way of kind of not getting swine flu, it would be to put ham around your wrists. Sure. So I went to this event <laughs> and I just had a big packet of ham <laughs> and a big packet of elastic bands and I was just trying to convince everyone to... Put ham on there. Yeah, and I, I managed to get, I was really proud, I managed to get a vegetarian to wear the ham, so that was awesome. <laughs> and yeah, I had, like I said, I had this guy kind of really not like me and tell me to go away. And then I also got into an argument with a scientist guy because <laughs> I was trying to make out that we were like on some kind of level with each other. We were both scientists. He really didn't like that. And he got into a big kind of intellectual argument with me. And I was just like, hey, you're taking this way too more serious than I <laughs> did. But yeah, it was cool. So stuff like that. I like look back on it and think that was really fun. But I don't think I'd fancy doing it now, to be honest. It's Why not? Because because you're older? Because <sighs> Partly I'm more mature and I... You know, I think it's a bit silly, really. But um, uh, I, I think I got to a point where I was kind of, it's really draining being the work as well as yeah. making the work. Mm-hmm. And I just, yeah, I, don't, I just didn't want to do it anymore. Like, it was just like, I want to be away from the work. I want to be able to separate myself a little bit from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I've kind of done over here. Ever since I've come over here, I haven't really done anything performance-wise. Not saying I'll ever not do it, but at the moment I don't want to do it. So did you find that the um, did you find that the sea change was 
an excuse to get away from that or did you sort of plan like okay I'm leaving the UK now I'm not going to do performance work anymore I'm going to shift up I'm changing space uh, I'm going to change form or did it just happen? I think I got here and I had a couple of ideas for performances um, but then they just never got around and because the first year I didn't make anything while I was here so I've been here three and a half years mm-hmm. first year it was just trying to find a job and yeah. a yeah and that didn't leave any time for art and then when I did get a job it took a while and there was a lot of moving around and stuff so yeah second year or two I got settled and then I started making some work and it was in the dark room so you know there wasn't really any point in doing the whole performance thing and then I just got really into that so then I was like well let's have a go at this and see if I can actually do something with this yeah so. yeah and clearly you can I think oh. I actually think screen grab is a really incredible set of works oh cool um, thank you yeah it was one of, one of the one of the sort of the most impressive things that I I personally found during the application process. Um, what made you come to Brisbane? Uh, my partner's from Brisbane. Mm-hmm. So she was in Watford, which is, yeah, unlucky her. <laughs> uh, and we just met each other and, yeah, you know, all the kind of romantic stuff. Yep. But she was like, I'm coming home. And I was just at a point where I was like, all right, I'm a bit bored of this place now. I like this girl. Let's go and see what happens. Convinced her to let me come along. And uh, yeah, so we've just kind of been here now, and yeah. What have you what What have you found? Do you Do you like it here? Do you like yeah, it yeah. Do you like it less? Is it weird? no? Like I like it. It's chilled out. It's kind of like I said. I lived right outside London, so I did have that kind of big city feel whenever I wanted to. I just hop on a train, and twenty minutes I was in like the middle oh, of London. Okay. So, you know, I wasn't like out in the sticks as such. And there's a lot of like hustle and bustle, as you'd imagine. So I like here because. There's enough to, for it to be lively, like, you know, there's enough mm-hmm. things to do. You never get bored, but at the same time, it's not just, like, complete all craziness, and it's, you know, yeah. it's just more chilled out vibe. Did you like London? Do you like London? Yeah, 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 I, I like London. Um, it's a cool place, but it's very expensive, and I was kind of glad that I lived on the outskirts of it, mm-hmm. because, yeah, it's, like I say, it's a bit crazy, you know, like, it's yeah. just noise. And, but yeah, in terms of culture and stuff, it's pretty hard to beat. It's one of the best cities, I'd say, in the world. So well, just because it's so huge, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, there's always stuff to do here, but there's like a million times more stuff to do in London. And there's lots of cool stuff happening. But, you know, that wasn't every day. So I think I've made a better choice coming here for my overall life. But maybe, yeah, I miss a few things over there, but, you know. I can go back on holiday. It's not a big deal. So, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can tra- transfer there whenever you want. Um, so, with your work you're doing here, um, you you were at the um, opening party a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, and you emailed me like a couple weeks before, and you're like, "Hey, can I can I in my room have people paint?" And which was a godsend for me because we needed to curate stuff upstairs. Yeah. We we're yeah. doing it last <clears throat> last minute, and it went really well so tell me about the idea there how that's informing your residency and what that experience of having you know 800 people yeah come through um so okay i'll try and make this as succinct as possible um so basically I, I wanted to do this project which i have been working on in the residency it's about making a kind a basically a new language mm-hmm. uh, reason was this was because like you said i've been looking at things like the internet and stuff on uh, my previous work and 
the internet's basically like a kind of new language, I guess. Not new for everyone. Some people are born into it now. But like, you know, for me, I'd say because it wasn't there when I was around as a kid, not, yeah. not in a big way. So it's still like you learn new things every day and there's always new things happening, like, you know, new trends and stuff. And um, yeah, so I was doing this work with emojis. I don't really like emojis. I've, I'd never actually send them personally in messages and stuff. I find mm. them a little bit, I don't know, crappy. But, um, you know, I know people like them and stuff. So anyway, I was doing, they are basically like a kind of language. Yeah, they are. They're yeah. a way of sort of intoning emotion, their punctuation. Yeah. Really, they intone emotion to a message. And I've always kind of liked when I was a kid when you do like a project on school at Egypt and you look at like hieroglyphs and stuff. Mm -hmm. I thought that was always cool speaking with pictures and you know, it was like, oh, that snake means this and things. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's cool. So I was doing this work with emojis and I was kind of looking at the idea of, say, in the future, when people look back on us as yeah. a kind of time period, like, they'll probably see things like emojis as our kind of cultural, how they can identify us. And they'll almost be like our hieroglyphs in a way. Mm, yeah, like a digital hieroglyph. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And so anyway, I wanted to make these pictures that were basically imagining a person from the future looking at our artworks from this time. So I kind of did these, you know, some of them were based on memes, like, you know, that baby fist pump thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, instead of... And I wanted to do it in style of traditional art or like more older art. And I'm in Australia, so I picked like kind of indigenous art and I did this kind of meme baby picture and it, but it's, it had like the, the, the dot dots yeah, were yeah. emojis. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that kind of thing and I played around with this. Anyway, uh, it was received all right by some people. Some people were kind of like, you know, that's kind of, or that they intoned that it was cultural appropriation yeah yeah and weren't too happy about it uh but that's cool you know it wasn't that done in that intention but i can understand that so i was kind of like right i don't really want to go down that whole avenue of making it into something it's not so then i was like what can i do to get around this so i was just like like you know let's just make my own kind of language i guess mm. that i can make kind of artworks with yeah cool and then I was kind of like, right, so if you want to make your own art, uh, own language, if you just start making up some symbols and saying this means this and this means that, everyone's just going to go, okay, well, that's really nice, Liam, but, you know, it doesn't, or, you know, it's not really that interesting if someone just says this means this. Yeah. So I was like, how can I make it so it's kind of, everyone kind of has a viewpoint on it. So I came to that idea of bringing in the words. So I just asked everyone what their favorite words were on the internet got the first 150 that were given to me and then put cut them all up drew them out chucked them in the box and that box was in here for the opening night okay they come in take that and then they had to draw or paint something that represented that word and there was like a whole heap of like kind of complicated maybe more I don't, can't think of a word now, but anyway, like elaborate words. Yeah. And then there was simple words like dog, cat and stuff like that. Yeah. And then, yeah, so then the room got filled with all the pictures that people did. And in terms of how I felt when I, I was doing it, like, yeah, I just, I knew loads of people were coming to the event because I saw the page and the number of people that were coming. So I was like, wow, like if we get half of the people here, that's going to be a really huge event anyway. Yeah. And it was, it was crazy. Yeah, um, yeah. So... 
but there was always that fear like people are going to come into my room especially at the beginning because it's just an empty room with a table and some materials and they're going to be like oh, i don't want to do this this yeah. is crap so i was like a bit like oh crap like, i don't want to be that one who kind of ruins the party <laughs> um, come engage with my work yeah guys. but they did yeah exactly and so yeah i was like um very humble bit like oh my god but like really excited that everyone kind of got in with it i think it's just one of them things when everyone sees everyone else doing it then it's like yeah and i mean there was drink flowing and stuff so it always helps the creativity yeah. and uh, yeah no but it was awesome like the whole room got covered did and you run out of words to give people or didn't run out of words but i ran out of paper okay so i was like ripping up i had kitchen towels and then i was letting people paint on kitchen towel and we were sticking that up and stuff and just anything we could find we could paint on like not the walls i said don't paint on the walls but like yeah so yeah, I kept it pretty clean for a room that was covered in ink. I think there's a few little dots here and there, but that's about... That's part of it, right? There you go. So, yeah, no. So, it was good. But I reckon... Uh, I didn't count, but there was a good 400 or so pictures on the wall. Yeah. Yeah. 400 hieroglyphs. Exactly. Or, yeah. Yeah. Hieroglyphs, I guess. Cool. So, yeah, it was awesome. So from there, like you, you, and maybe this links to it, I don't know, but you emailed me the other night, you emailed me five words to create a meaning for. Yeah. Um, how, how does, how does that link in? So, well, I had to narrow, so I had these 400 drawings, first of all, and I was like, right, I've got three weeks. I'd love to use every single one of them, but three weeks is a short time. So I cut it down to my favorite hundred drawings or they weren't even my favorite ones basically i looked at them because i wanted to make like i said like a hieroglyph or a symbol so i looked at the ones that anything that caught my eye that i thought could be turned into a symbol mm -hmm. i picked and then i took those symbolized um simplified them or if they were too busy some of them were quite simple anyway so i just kept them how they were and then made a file a little red file and then I took that out into the streets and or I asked a few people mainly the streets and just said what do these pictures remind you of give me a word or an emotion or whatever and then I got 300 words and I asked probably every person I got them to do maybe two mm -hmm. so I asked roughly 150 people yeah well all around West End or not just West End the city when I basically was walking to and from the, the city to here so it was through the South Bank and stuff mm -hmm. um, my boss at work she let me do it with some of the kids hey, so cool. I was just like yeah just what does this look like and they didn't really know what they were doing but they were just like oh yeah that and I was like okay great and it's fun still it's it's yeah. almost like a more interesting sort of interpretation when kids have no idea what they're doing yeah life. and i just wanted a range of people so i and i made sure i didn't just ask the same type of people in the street i was going to older people you know people who looked like they maybe weren't from this country and stuff and yeah so it was like quite a broad range of people that got involved with that process so i had these 300 words stuck them into this kind of naff word mixer upper on the internet and then it just spout out loads of options uh, and then yeah. i just picked the one that i kind of yeah i don't know spoke to me in some way and that's five of those were the words i gave to you so mm. they're all kind of weird sounding a lot of them yeah. kind of sound like they could be ikea furniture or something <laughs> like you know yeah totally totally all sound like words i could sit on i'll, I'll give you one now um uh you gave me a word that was uh vacthus, um which i said was a journey that requires you to go back the way you came 
Um, for instance, on the weekend, I took a Vacavus on Mount Warning. Nice. Yeah. So, so that after I feed you those and the other people who you've asked for meetings Mm -hmm. have fed to you, what, 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 what happens then? So they're going to be, every symbol is allocated a number one to a hundred. So the words that were made into new words, they're just going to simply be allocated to their symbol. And then I guess it's going to be kind of like glossary. So it's like symbol, the word, what that word means. And then, yeah, we're going to, I guess it's not a language because there's no real like joining words and stuff, but it's maybe it's the start of a language. Maybe we have to do more of it. But anyway, we've got this whole kind of new dialect. It's like, um, what's that book? You know, a clockwork orange. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah, like, yeah. you know how they, yeah. And yeah. they're, they're speaking their own kind of slang. So I guess it's a slang more than a language, but it's kind of mm. cool still. So yeah. yeah. Well, Australia is the home of slang. I know. How, how do you find it? The slang, the lang- yeah, the slang language. Do you find it's particularly different to Britain, or is there enough similarity there? Oh, look, I know what most of the time people are saying, but <laughs> um, yeah, you've got different kind of sayings, which is cool. I like some of the sayings here, but um, yeah, then obviously I'll come up with stuff before. I even say some stuff now and then, and my partner's like, "I've never heard you say that before." Like, so there's things like that are always kind of happening, you know? Yeah, and just. Yeah, I mean, you guys have got a really good turn of phrase and the kind of the way you say stuff's quite funny as well. So, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we have an accent that literally comes from just sitting around and being drunk. Um, <laughs> it, I believe is literally the origin of our accent. But um, go talking about language, because as a writer, it's super fascinating. Do yeah. you find that the students you have come in now, particularly in the younger grades, do you find more and more that you're encountering them using Australian slang or like internet slang? Uh, look, they, yeah, they'll say stuff and you can kind of pick up that it's from the internet, if you know what I mean. It's weird, even if you haven't, even if you don't know what they're talking about, you kind of know that they're talking something, you know, there's something like... I don't I I don't keep up to date with all the trends and stuff and things or whatever. But we have um we do ceramics at school and we got all these tubs of different coloured um paints. But they're all they're not really called dead, you know, green or whatever. They're called the tones of like jungle green and yeah. all this stuff. So anyway, I have this kind of pinky colour that's called watermelon watermelon. And every they have to come up and ask which they want. And they're always like, what, I'm alone? Or something, doing this thing. And apparently there's a video of this guy saying that. All right. And that's a thing. And they all say it, like every single one of them, like every year they're saying this, what, I'm alone? So it must, I, it's probably not even a big thing. Like you see, it's probably crap, but yeah, the kids just love it. Like they yeah. say it to me all the time. I've never, I've never heard of yeah, that. Yeah, I know. I, I, I guess we're looked... both getting old or something. Yeah, I know. Do you think, do you think, what, what do you think that's going to mean for language in the future? Do you think we're going to get to a point where everyone needs to be on board with every trend because the language evolves so quickly or? Look, um, I spoke slang that back in Watford and, you know, like kind of slang that we had going around our area and London and stuff that we picked up from like them and, you know, I don't use it now. So maybe it's the thing of growing up as well. I guess you kind of get out of it. I may use some things now and again, but you know, everyone could kind of understand what we're talking about. I don't know. I think it changes. I think 
this is the kind of thing I was interested in maybe look at as well. Like, as you get older, your language changes, mm. you know? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. Think, I think that's true. Yeah. I mean, no one's going to argue. Yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to justify it to myself. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, suddenly, you know, you're not going to... I can go around in your 40s saying water Malone and stuff, you know? So hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I don't know. I don't think it's a big deal as long as they're not kind of spouting gibberish, you know, and we don't completely lose what we're talking about. But yeah, language evolves like everything. So I think it's quite weird though, because you know when you always hear like, oh, they've entered a new word in the dictionary. And it's always something to do with technology or new media now. There's never like a new word for just something else. It's yeah. always to do with that. So it is becoming a big influence, definitely. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think yeah. I it's I think the thing that's gonna interest me is like like you said, if a forty year old went around <laughs> saying what a melon, like like that would be the worst. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like if uh, yeah, that would be terrible. But I wonder what happens when you're you're born into the, into yeah. the internet and maybe you stay on the internet. I don't know what happens with like like my brother's five years younger than me, and yeah, I couldn't see him not falling out of the loop. But maybe you're right. Maybe as you age, that becomes less important. Yeah, I mean because. You just get busy and you can't be asked to keep up with the stuff, you know. That's that's pretty much what it is for me. Yeah. Like I just don't have the time to keep up to date with this stuff. And then you you actually get quite scared because you're like, oh my god, I'm turning into that stereotypical older man who is gonna suddenly get uncool, you know, and stuff. But like, fuck it, you know, you just gotta accept it. I guess that's yeah. what happens. And I mean, the kids don't want us to know what they're doing, you know, then it makes it uncool. So let them have their kind of little secret language and then we'll have ours like mortgages and stuff and be like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you might know about watermelon, but I can tell you all sorts of things about sales tax. Exactly. So, you know, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, this is old people's anarchy is all mm. to do with, um, all to do with knowing about tax. There you go. So, yeah. But it's interesting and, you know, we're going to live through it. So who knows? Yeah, right. We're, we're not linguists. Ling- linguistic. No, but like, you know, I, hope, I think I might try and some of these words that I'm making here, try and slip it into school kids at school, just start saying <laughs> some words and then hopefully they pick it up and, you know, start a, start a trend. You did give me one word that I thought sounded like it, it could catch on, which was mama nom. Mamanom, yeah. Mamanom, which mom, oh, mamanom, which is like a fun word to say. Yeah. It kind of sounds like a meme, and like instantly I was like, oh, it's just food that reminds me your mother's cooking. Like, oh man, that casserole is such a mamanom. Oh, look. I feel that, like the kids will be into that. I reckon, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna try it. Yeah, try it with that one. I'll, I'll see you one kid in the playground just eating a sandwich or something. I'll say, is that mamanom? Like, <laughs> 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 I don't know. I think, I think, I think, I think, you know. Yeah, corrupt the youth yeah. um, with confusing words. Exactly. Oh. And just really mess them up. And then when the parents come and say, why is my kid talking stupid shit? I'll just be like, sorry. Um, ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the, the, the education system. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, do, you, do you find being an artist and a teacher, do you find that the kids inform your work at all? Um, 
I'm trying to think if I've done anything. I guess. I mean. I mean, oh, it's hard to say. I was I was looking at this whole. I had a project that I never really got around to doing, and it was all about how we kind of assess kids' work, mm-hmm. but we don't assess artists' work in the same way. But like we're teaching art to kids, and like you have to meet these criteria. But then you're also showing them people who've done like nothing, like they've met no criteria, but yet they're the standard and stuff. And there's that whole divide. And like, what happens if we put these artists under the scrutiny that these kids get? Because they get really assessed, really, you know, in crazy levels of detail and stuff. It's quite harsh. That's why they always talking about kids being under pressure and stuff. But then you have like, you know, a guy who shits in a can or something, you know, and that's kind of what did he standards did he meet? So I had yeah. that kind of idea. But that, I don't know if that was influenced by the kids necessarily. But yeah, I think education influences my work but just being around the kids and stuff kind of seeing them making stuff does kind of like influence you but yeah I don't know I can't really think of anything it's, it's quite hard being an artist trying to be like a I guess call it a professional artist you know like trying to yeah. keep up um, exhibiting habit and stuff and than being a teacher. I mean, I'm a teacher aide now, but like in the UK, I was, you know, in charge of photography at some school and still on the weekends going out and doing performance art and stuff sometimes. And so, you know, kids would be like, what do you do on the weekend? And then I'd be like, oh, I did this crazy thing and stuff. And it got a bit too, I don't know, not good. It wasn't good for your professional thing, you know, that I think they like you being creative if you're an art teacher it's awesome that you do art but you know maybe not a performance artist because that's kind of you know i I had some stuff filmed of myself like documenting my performances and obviously you stick them on things like youtube or vimeo and stuff but then kids on the internet they just want to know so much about you so it's just like type 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 liam hearn oh i saw a video of you doing this and then suddenly you know you're getting a, a word from your boss saying what's this what are you doing yeah yeah so it got kind of not good yeah Yeah. so it was just yeah there's that side of things that's kind of weird so that's also another way why i'm separating that had a kind of big thing yeah because because you wanted to be a professional and a professional artist yes yeah and you know one influences the other and how you're seen in one can affect the other and stuff i guess yeah yeah it's all interconnected yeah um yeah yeah i mean but you've you've kept up like i'm looking at your application here like you've kept up like you haven't not um created while you've been over here you've you've no. stayed pretty active actually, yeah for yeah someone who's still profe- professional in another capacity well i've tried yeah what's uh what are your what are your sort of um do you have a routine when you practice yeah. or, or is it sort of you just have a lot of ideas I do have a lot of ideas, but there's so many ideas that I don't do, but I guess it's all about blocks of time. With school, you've got holiday periods and you've just got time. I think I'm just teaching gives you time management. Everything's like, you know, you have to do this, this part of the day, this part of the day, this part of the day. And I kind of approach my art like that now. So I'll be like, right, I got the weekend. I want a bit of my weekend. I want to be a person, you know, just veg out and stuff. But let's say I'll do 
three hours of art on that day and I'll just stick to it, you know, and stuff like that. And I'll go, I'll usually do chunks of practice. So like a couple of months of making stuff and then I'll probably won't make anything, but then do like a couple of months of proposals and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, eventually someone says, yeah, we'll show you work. Like hopefully, you know, there's always that scary point where you're like, no one said yes to anything I've proposed, but you guys did. So that was really good. So I was like, God, you know, there's that bit up until Christmas 2016. It's like, I have nothing lined up for next year. And you yeah. start getting a bit worried. And then you guys gave me an email. I was like, yes, you're in. And I was like, sweet. So, you know, that gave me something to look forward to and stuff. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, I don't know. I'm not like the best at it. There's people more prolific than me. But I think you just got to have a kind of work ethic. And yeah, just set aside time to do stuff. Even if you're doing like half an hour a day, you're doing something, you know better than doing fuck all for loads of days you know so <laughs> totally oh well yeah. this has been a good chat yeah cool um yeah cool uh thanks so much thank you thanks again for letting me do this whole experience as well so it's been awesome so far cool can't wait to see what you've got for us on um next friday yes hopefully something interesting hopefully Thanks for listening to the House Conspiracy podcast recorded at House Conspiracy. If you have feedback or you want to say hi or there's something you'd like to see us do, whether on the podcast or just at the house in general, you can email us at house at houseconspiracy.org. Um, so you can show us your support at possible.com slash project slash house dash conspiracy. Um, that's House Conspiracy with a dash in the middle. See you next time.